Pastor Xavier Reese describes how God ended 400 years of silence with a shattering simple truth. Mary then declared that God, who is mighty, had done great things for her, and His name is holy. The selection of her, the conception of her, and the incarnation through her to be the mother of His Son and would carry it through through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by human means. Wow. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. During her visitation, when Mary greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She responds with a prophetic blessing, stating clearly that Mary's baby is God incarnate and that Mary herself is blessed through faith in her God. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier turns to the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 1, for the simple truths and handiwork of God clearly on display in this meeting up of the mothers of John the Baptist and Jesus, the Son of God. Let's listen. Luke alone provides for us such rich details about the time prior to the birth of Jesus, and he did so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving us a reliable, trustworthy record of the Scriptures. And so what we want to do is look at three events that are recorded for us in the last three months of Elizabeth's pregnancy that culminate in the birth of John the Baptist, and it consists of three scenes here in Luke chapter 1, verse 39 down to 66. First, we have the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth in verse 39 to 45. Second, we have the exaltation of God by Mary in verse 46 to 56. And then you have the dedication of John by his parents in 57 to 66. The visitation to Mary to Elizabeth. Notice Mary departed to go see her cousin Elizabeth, the relatives as we've seen. Now in verse 4, the young woman Mary arrived and entered the house of Zacharias and, and greeted Elizabeth, her cousin here. And uh, Zachariah, as you know, we've seen as her husband. He's a priest. And uh, in chapter 1, verse 5 to 25, Gabriel appeared to him, told him about the, the birth of his son and their old age. And the child who would be born would be John the Baptist. He would prepare the way to the Messiah. He's a forerunner. Zachariah, remember, could not speak at this point. Because he did not believe in chapter 1, verse 20, Gabriel said, you're not going to be able to speak until the birth of the child. Now, notice in verse 41, the greeting of Mary's voice caused the babe to leap in Elizabeth's womb. As a consequence, she is also filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies. The prophecy of John being filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb was stated by Gabriel in chapter 1, verse 15. Here we have the evidence of that, the confirmation. This being the first person to worship the Messiah. Who is it? John the Baptist. Where is he? In Elizabeth's womb. Where's the Messiah? In Mary's womb. The first one to worship Jesus was John. Now look at 42 and 45 here. The young woman Mary was honored by her cousin Elizabeth. She spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Not above women, but among. The second, she said, notice, blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
the son of the high is the son of God. The visitation of Mary to Elizabeth was a celebration then. It was a celebration. Notice secondly, verse 46 to 56. The exaltation of God by Mary. In 46 to 50, the young woman Mary gave all the glory to God for what he had done in her. Mary's song that she sang here is known as the Magnificat. In verse 46, the title comes from the first lines, my soul magnifies the Lord, speaking about Yahweh. There's no New Testament at this point. There's only the Old Testament. Now, the word magnify is emphatic here. Her joy was over her high privilege in the fulfillment of the arrival of Messiah who brings salvation to all. This is the celebration. Mary confessed to her own need of a Savior, my Savior. Mark it well. Mary confessed her own sinfulness and sin nature as all others in this declaration and proclamation. Mary moves on to acknowledge God's kindness in choosing her by the fact that she saw her own unworthiness, lowliness to be chosen by God, calling herself a maidservant, literally a slave maid, 14, 15 years old. Whoa. Mary then declared that God, who is mighty, had done great things for her, and his name is holy. The word for would be better translated because, explaining why all generations would call her blessed. The phrase great things appears only this time in the Gospel of Luke. One other translation of this word, and it's translated wonderful works in Luke's book, also contains it, Acts 2.11, only two times in the New Testament. These great things that the mighty, all-powerful God has done for her here in the indicative errors, act of representing and referring to the definite past act of the selection of her, the conception of her, and the incarnation through her to be the mother of his son and would carry it through through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by human means. Wow. That is what we are to believe what God said he did. I'm not to explain it away. I'm not to try to add to it or take away from it, but believe the revelation of God about his son. Notice the name of God is depicted as holy. This depicts his character, ensuring all that he does and all that he's doing is the epitome of holiness. There is no spot. There is no wrinkle. There is no blemish. Then in verse 50, Mary proclaimed the mercy of God on all who fear him in every generation. The word mercy, as you know, Elios, means his kindness towards the miserable with a sense of having pity, receiving less than we deserve. It presupposes grace. Grace is what we don't deserve. Mercy is less than we deserve. Less than I deserve. Those of Israel who feared God, notice, are the recipients first, acknowledging he is God, righteous, holy, judge and savior of sinful man. The priority is to the Jew first, Romans tells us, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. First in priority at time, not importance. 
Jesus says that he came to his own, his own receives him not. There's one coming in his own name, Antichrist, him you will receive. So Jesus gave up the Jew. Paul shakes the dust off his feet at the end of the book of Acts. We don't ignore the Jew. We preach to the Jew, but it's no longer in priority of time that has passed. We preach the gospel to anybody and everybody. We don't target any one cultural or racial or national category of people. We preach the gospel, and God saves. There is no generation in past history, present, or future that is excluded. Jew and Gentile. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman without a man. Genesis 12.3, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The Gentiles were always included. Now look at 51, down to 55. The young woman Mary gave witness to God's work of abasing the proud, exalting the humble and faithful to his promise of Messiah to Israel. God scatters, notice, and destroys the proud. The proud without the article here indicates men who show themselves above others in an evil sense by their haughty, arrogant imaginations of their hearts, which are against God. Now, Jeremiah 79 says, The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? It's the heart that's the problem. It's wicked. Notice that God has removed the mighty from their thrones and given relief to the lowly in verse 52. Then in 53, God has met the needs of, of the hungry and removed the things of the rich. Now, who are these hungry? Uh, they don't have no food? No. The hungry are those who seek God for their needs, depending on God, seeking to be satisfied by God. He is faithful. The Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. The rich are the opposite. Those who have everything, those who are poor towards God, they're not rich towards God, having no desire of God, seeing no need of God, so God does not work for them. He sends them away empty. God rejects nobody, but when they reject God, then he can do nothing for them. There's a contrast between those hungry, those who are rich, they're poor towards God. In 54, then she says that God has helped his servant Israel, his servant in remembrance of his mercy. God has been faithful to his covenant with Israel to make a nation of them. Notice 55. God did all this in faithfulness to his covenant with the patriarchs beginning with Abraham. Then look at 56. The young woman Mary willingly gave of her time to Elizabeth during these three months. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months here. That would have uh, completed Elizabeth's nine-month pregnancy. That would have made Mary three months pregnant. Whether she was present at the birth of John or not, we're not told. Mary returned home, it says, having talked and pondered all that God had told each of them through the angel Gabriel. Don't you wish you could have been to hear what they're talked about? <laughs> Seeking God and praying for each other, I am sure, knowing this incredible event that God is about to break on the world scene. Oh, how we always um, have to remember that God has placed himself in our bodies, much like Mary, 
will look at Mary and say, yeah, but, that, no, but do you realize that God has done the same thing in a different way to you? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and so is mine in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, Paul says. If you read John 14, 15, and 16, do you realize the Father is in you, the Son's in you, and the Holy Spirit is in you? It's a crowded place in there. Not just the Holy Spirit. I and the Father will come and make our abode with you. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. He says, but we have this treasure in the earthen vessel that the excellence and the power may be of God, not of ourselves. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despaired. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also may be manifested in our bodies. Listen to Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 6.10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Right before he starts to tell him, put on the whole armor on. First thing is put on his might. If you start anything with your own might, you're going to fail. And therefore, Paul could say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. All things that he calls me to do, all things he enables me to do, all things that are beyond my potential. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Not in the person, not in the building, not in the movement, not in the denomination, not in the technology. All of that is one big zero. It's the power of the word of the gospel. The exclamation and exaltation of God here by Mary was about salvation. The Messiah was in her. <laughs> Six more months, he would be on the scene. Notice thirdly, we have the dedication of John by his parents. 56 to 66. In 57 and 58, the celebration over Elizabeth was that she gave birth to a son. The time of the birth of John had come. Verse 57. The reference to Elizabeth's full time is the word chronos. We get chronological time. The full nine-month period was done. And now the, the woman brought forth a son just as the angel Gabriel prophesied in chapter 1, verse 13. Now, if all of a sudden she's there and the, the baby's born, it's a girl. We have some problems. Verse 58, the time was one of joy for Elizabeth. Her neighbors or relatives here in the birth saw this as God had done towards her, his goodness, celebrating with her his kindness is stated as the Lord had shown great mercy to her. The phrase great mercy means much kindness towards the, her miserable condition and affliction. She's old, barren. By her own words, she had been in disfavor with God from the earthly perspective, being barren. And Elizabeth said in chapter 1, verse 25, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he, took, he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. There was no reproach for her from heaven, only from earth, because of the connotation of barrenness. The neighbors and relatives rejoiced with her notice. They were continually rejoicing with her. It was just it was exhilarating what was going on at this time. Being happy for her conception, gestation of nine months, and now at her age to give birth to a child? Amazing. 
The designation of the name of the son of Elizabeth and Zachariah was contended here. The occasion took place at the circumcision. So it was on the eighth day that they came and they circumcised the child. And God gave Abraham the ritual, if you remember, in Genesis 17, 10 through 11, uh, the covenant for the Jewish male. And uh, it would be on the eighth day, Genesis 7, 12 says, and many other areas. It's interesting today we know scientifically that on the eighth day, it is the, the peak of coagulation for the child. So he can be circumcised and he will uh, not experience so much bleeding and everything else. It, it's the best healing day. And so that's when they circumcise babies. Okay? Interesting. Now, friends and relatives, notice, presume upon the name of the baby. They would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. They literally began and they tried to call the child Zacharias, assuming that the child would be named after the father. They probably were completely ignorant about the prophetic name given by Gabriel. Or maybe they weren't because, you know, our relatives are. You can tell them anything you want. They don't care. You know, it's just the way it is. We understand. The Bible's a real book. Look at 60 and 61. The prompt objection to their statement that the child was to be named, not named Zacharias. Elizabeth was the one who protested. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. Elizabeth knew what the angel Gabriel had said. His name is going to be called John, chapter 1, verse 13. Obedience. The small little details. Little foxes is what spoils the vine, the scriptures tell us. The people responded back to Elizabeth, but they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has called his name. Sheesh. The name John made no sense to them. Ooh, be careful when the word of God doesn't make any sense to you. And you think you're a little smarter than God? Your little trouble will become a cavern, a sinkhole, a black hole. The people turn to ask Zacharias in 62 and 63. They motioned Zacharias. They made a sign to his father what uh, would be uh, him called. Literally, he, what he wished him to be called. Some commentators conclude that Zacharias was also deaf, but because they motioned at him, the Bible doesn't say that. The angel said, you will be mute, not deaf. So let's not add to the scriptures. It's contrary to what he said. Now, he requested something to write on, and, um, and he wrote on it, his name is John, and they marveled. The writing tablet was a wooden tablet with wax on it with a stylus to make the impression. John, he confirmed the name. Yahweh is gracious or a gracious giver. Wow. Incredible. Without expectation, praise broke forth from the mouth of Zacharias. Just as the angel Gabriel had declared, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. In faith now, he is breaking forth Believing what he did not believe before. So his praising God is in the Greek continuously. I can believe that after nine months, after God dealing with him, he has a lot to say about God. And he begins by worshiping him. 65, the reaction of the people was to think on what they witnessed with their ears. All were gripped with godly fear that the hand of God was in all these events. 
Then fear came on all of them that dwelt all around them. Everybody was aware that God was acting. All the people pondered the words heard continually. They discussed them through all the hill country of Judea. The people pondered the words of Zacharias in 66, considering all the great matters that God was doing, waiting with great anticipation about the future of John. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? Incredible. The words could also refer to those prophetic words of Zacharias called the Benedictus in the Latin Vulgate from verse 67 down to 79. Now, the God of heaven and earth was upon John, and the hand of the Lord was with him. Such detailed information that Matthew and Mark and John do not give us, only Luke. When James um, Calvert went into the cannibal Fiji with the message of the gospel, the captain of the ship um, in which he traveled sought to dissuade him from going. You will risk your life and all those with you if you go among such savages, he said. Calvert's magnificent reply was, we died before we came here. Wow. I kind of hesitate. Somebody wanted to eat me. <laughs> we must remember that when God has directed us on what he wants us to do or where to go, that we not allow people to dissuade us or compromise our obedience. There's a lot of good intentions by family and friends but it becomes sin if it's contrary to what God is directing you. You're responsible for what you believe God is directing you, no one else. Certainly the most obvious principle of this is to, be, to obey God's word completely and not compromise it. But total dependency upon God for the gift, the callings, and everything else, but very obedient to what God called you to do, that you go where he tells you to go, that you do what he tells you to do that you yield to the gifts that he gives to you. If God should call you to the mission field, God forbid that friends and family members would dissuade you to be faithful to the ministry God has entrusted us, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the few in number. It's important. Listen to the words of Jesus, Luke 17, 10. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Wow. The dedication of John by his parents was by revelation. And so, these last three months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, culminating the birth of John the Baptist, consisting of these three scenes that Luke alone gives to us. The visitation of Mary to Elizabeth was a celebration. The exaltation of God by Mary was about salvation. And the dedication of John by his parent was by revelation. What instruction for us to pay heed to God's word. Don't add, don't take away. Just walk in it. 
and He will do great things in your life and mine. Pastor Xavier Reese with the encouraging reminder, God isn't looking for the perfect vessel, just the obedient ones to use for His service. More simple truths he draws from our study series of the Gospel of Luke today. And you can request a copy of this thought-provoking message titled, The Handiwork of God, John. Pick up a copy on CD for yourself or a friend for only $4. And we'll be including everything we heard today and last time as well. Now the title to ask for once again is, The Handiwork of God, John. Make your request by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. It sure seems that God goes out of His way sometimes to make a point. But Pastor Xavier Reese says that is the point. Join us right here next time for more Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com